0: Don't just be a part of the industry, redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching, LLC today and schedule your strategic session.
0: Right here the right hand
2: corner of the screen here.
1: Yep, I got it. Hey, everyone. This is Renee Small with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity, a special edition. And it's our Mondays with Dr. Dan edition. I am Renee Small and I am am a cyber recruiter, helping uh, candidates get into some opportunities and helping leaders uh, of attract top talent. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah,
2: Dr. Dan Shea for Peak Performance Strategies. First of all, happy Father's Day to everybody. With yes, happy Father's, call, happy
1: Father's Day. Happy nice.
2: Dan. Uh, I think, it, Renee, and thanks for the opportunity to come on here. We've been having a lot of fun with this. And uh, I'm finding that people uh, are starting to respond differently. People, not only who are trying to break into cybersecurity, but people who are already in cybersecurity, who are uh, uh, moving up, moving on, moving up to moving up the, the chain of command, so to speak. And what we're doing is we're taking the same approach, uh, and we have for the last eight to ten weeks, uh, that we do with professional athletes. Uh, It's all preparing preparing to compete. What do you you do to prepare to compete and to win? This is about winning. It's for people to whom losing is not an option.
1: That's right. So, Dan, this week, and and to your point, we've been doing this for the last couple, almost, I think, three months now, which is phenomenal. Um, And we have had a number of people reach out to you. We try to keep these topics pretty relevant based on what you're hearing clients talk to you about and what I'm hearing clients talk to me about on a consistent basis. And last week we thought our topic would be the words to think about um, just for the week in general. Whenever a person is thinking about moving into a role Dan, you want to grab it?
2: No, that'll go. <laughs> okay.
1: So, whenever a person is thinking about moving into a new, um, a new opportunity, like we said, this is not only these special editions are for people who are moving up into the security space. So. Um, most of the time leadership, you know, very seasoned professionals, um, looking to make that next move, either looking to move into, uh, a more management level or moving into a a higher senior level role. Um, and some of the questions or some of the the words that Dan wants us to think about for this week and interviewing strategies as well.
2: So, um, one of the things that comes up frequently is in conversations with people. They'll say they'll use the word "before." You have to think about before. How you know uh, an athlete doesn't go out on the field and decide to prepare when he gets there. He prepares beforehand, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about here: is how to help individuals manage their teams to prepare to compete. What preparation of competition looks like. Uh, But the word before is, frequently somebody will say the word to me before, after they've done something. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, I should have thought about this sooner. I should have thought about this before. So we deal, Renee and I deal with the before, before something happens. That's why, and we keep reviewing, going back to the fact that every one of my clients today is in 2025, working backwards. This is not goal setting. Where do you want to be? What does 2025 look like for you personally? And also thinking about when you're interviewing with somebody, and we're going to talk a little bit about an interview roadmap today, is that when somebody talks to me about helping them with with moving into another space or transitioning from one space to another, from one role to another, the question comes up about is there a roadmap? I'm going to be interviewing with people. So I've spoken to some people recently, and I said, i are you going, they they say, we're going into an interview. We're going to be interviewed. I said, well, with your level of skill and talent and experience, are you going to be interviewing this potential new job or are are they going to be interviewing you? I think you need to be interviewing them because if you think about yourself as a CEO of your own company, then you have to make the decision not based on what somebody is saying to you but what, what this whole picture means.
1: That's true, Dan, and I know that right now a lot of people are going through a number of transitions, um, some voluntary, some involuntary, based on COVID-19, and you've been helping folks while they transition. Um, what would you say, so it's interesting that you said the word before, and they wish that, and you wish that they said before, they usually say before, after they've done something. Right. <laughs> when's, when's the... Well, let's get into our next word. And like when it comes to saying before, when's the best time to reach out? Like when when should they um what do they see or what do they foresee happening? Um when they, when is a good time for them to reach out to someone like you to get?
2: Well, Renee and I have dealt with, Renee and I have dealt with this for years. People who are looking for talent, uh cybersecurity talent, uh within organizations that she's worked with and I've worked with, you know, somebody will wake up in the morning and say, I need to exchange somebody or I need to change the position I'm in. Uh, that's when you should pick the phone up and say, here's what I'm planning. What do you think I should do to avoid many ensure in, to avoid the shock infested waters of transition? You know, do, what do I need to be thinking about? And do I need to be thinking about far enough? Am I thinking far enough ahead? And this is where telling me and Renee what you want 2025 to look like helps you subconsciously avoid a tremendous amount of error. I mean, I have a, I have a friend of mine that renegotiates corporate leases. He's negotiated leases for the Port Authority with the World Trade Center. And, and he often says to me, he said, the biggest mistake people look at is how much they're paying for a square foot on a lease. He said, those aren't the real damages. The things that are hidden that can really hurt you are buried inside the lease. And so frequently when you talk about uh, interviews, what, who, what are the dynamics? What dynamics are you playing with here? And each one is different. There are no two deals that are the same. Everyone is different. And being really good at what you do and having a lot of fun at what you do is going to make it less work. So it's getting in the right place. But do you want to move forward without talking to the right person? I think that if you wake up and you say, you know, I really think I need to be thinking about cybersecurity for my firm or for my, my company or myself personally, where do you go for advice? Where do you go for an opinion? Well, most people have, and everybody on here will agree that if somebody, if you give people advice for something, and they do kind of go ask somebody for questions. They always ask the wrong person. They always go to a person who's not the least bit able to help them. So I've said to Renee, I said, you know, people should have you on speed dial. They wake up, they go cybersecurity, bang, call you first and you go from there. Well, I'm not sure what questions to ask. That's one of the biggest issues that we've run into for years. People don't understand the risk they're at. They don't understand the situations they're dealing with on a regular basis. And at the end of the day, if you're going to be asking questions and you want really fantastic answers, you have to ask fantastic questions. Well, it's my job to make sure you're asking the right questions. It's Renee's job to make sure you're asking the right questions. It's not up to you to think of the questions. It's up to us to help you make sure you're asking the right questions.
1: Dan, what do you you think are some of the hidden traps? You talked about some hidden... um you know, hidden booby traps just as a whole, when it comes to interviewing, what do you think some of those hidden I, things are that people should look out for?
2: Well, I, I think that people in, in cybersecurity, whether they're aware of it or not, and I will tell you up front, you know way more than you know think that you know. So the fact is, is that your assessment of people and agendas and that is really important. I think you need to take a thousand foot view of the company you're going into look at the people above you who you're reporting to looking at the people who are above them who they have to report to if they have to sell you up who do they have to sell you up to and some of the things are you know we find that that uh you know cybersecurity people can be threatening you know so you might be threatening somebody's position uh you might be threatening the person who was hiring you because the person that they hired before did not do well. So really you're in a situation of thinking, and I've seen this, you know, in HP globally where people said, you know, I have to make sure that I hire the right person. And how do I do that? I know that people today hire people by, by, um, by talents, skills, experience, I think you have to start by hiring somebody for their dream. What's your dream? What do you want to – take me out to 2025. What do you see that as being for yourself, for you personally, not for the company you're working for, just for you personally? Where do you want to be? And then do everything you possibly can to enhance that and avoid everything you can possibly do that will derail you. And That's part of what we do. We have, we have an assessment that will show you every single place that you can get derailed going forward. Thirty minutes online, and you know I've said over the time. I said if anybody has a question, text me or call me. But when you text me, please put your name in the text because uh, I, I I won't recognize your number and I won't know who to talk to when I call back. So <laughs> always include your name in the text. But I'm open to any phone calls on this. And and before it plays into this. Before you make a move, before you think of making a move. You want to be asking the right questions as a company you go into. Who are you going to be asking? What questions are you going to be asking? I can help you with those questions. Mm -hmm. I had somebody I helped with with some questions for an interview a couple of weeks ago. A person called me back and they said, the person who was interviewing me asked me every question you said they would ask ask me. So that felt pretty good. But the point is, is that it's preparing to compete. I see the level of competition that my athletes go through just to walk out on a football field or a soccer field or an MMA fight, whatever it is, the amount of effort they use in preparation. I don't see why that can't be transferred over into business. And the fact is, is that we, we have to talk about another thing is time. Nobody wants to move slow anymore. And everybody doesn't have a lot of time. And so, you know, I I don't know why it comes back to me. The early bird catches the worm. You have to get up. You have to be in front. And you also have to want to win. I mean, I don't know a cybersecurity professional who doesn't want to win over attacker. Everybody wants to win. So this is massive competition that, interestingly enough, unlike all my sporting events that have timeouts, there's no timeout with cybersecurity people. You know, the attacks never stop. You know, it's like going through four quarters of a football game, and having no timeouts, and and the and the the uh, the defense is always coming to get the quarterback. Always,
1: never stops. So true, Dan. You,
2: so know, it's it's great, very, very well. you know, I've seen I've seen people uh, teams who have decided not to invest in an offense for people follow football, not have invested in an offensive line to protect their quarterback. And a quarterback continues to get sacked and sacked and sacked and sacked. How do you have a talent and, and not protect it? Well, that's exactly what your cybersecurity people do. Is it trying to protect the company from stuff they can't even imagine? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and one of the biggest challenges today is something I saw years ago with, with HP, was you had some really, really talented tech people uh, who all of a sudden were moved into management positions. And what the company did is they came in and they put tremendous resources into ramping up the, uh, the, the, the tech talents into management talents. Wasn't always easy, but they couldn't afford not to. That's another thing. What is it, not as it what does it cost to call Renee? And what does it cost to call me? Well, initial call is no, no cost. The biggest question is what does it cost not to engage Renee, and what does it cost not to engage me? That's in, in you just can't calculate it until you look at one of the things that I talk about, and I would be happy to send this out to anybody who connects with me. Uh, I help people sell mistakes. I think every cybersecurity person who goes to a company is really selling mistakes, mistakes they've seen other people make, that they're not going to let this new company make. So it it costs you nothing to do that. But we look at three factors in selling mistakes. If everybody here that's on this call made a list of the mistakes that your clients or customers make, either internally or externally, uh, what did it cost them to make the mistake in money, emotion, or reputation? So when you're interviewing with somebody, the person who's interviewing you has a personal agenda. What is it that they need to have happen? What do they need to have happen in their organization? Who do they report to? What does that person need to have happen? It's not happening right now. How are you going to play into that? what's your role going to be in that situation? How do you pitch that role? How do you, you know, I would, I say to people, I would much rather, rather than have somebody say, I want to I want to hire Renee and retain Renee to build my cybersecurity team. Uh, I would rather have them say, I don't want to not hire Renee to build my cybersecurity team. And that's what I hear with people. People say, "I, you know, I was with, I was on a, a call the other day with some people, and somebody said, uh, "Who do you want to meet?" And this was a, this was a, a security guy. I said, "Who do you want to meet?" He said, "Somebody who has not spoken to Doctor Dan." So, <laughs> 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 the interesting thing is, is that with me, ninety nine percent of my clients never talk about me. They never talk about. Uh, what they're dealing with, what their issues are, and when they get a competitive edge, they never give it away. Yeah. So it's it, it's a challenge.
1: Yeah, one of the, one of the LinkedIn users says, "You sure are giving up the game right there." This is what I use. You want me because I know what does not work.
2: Right. Perfect.
1: Yep. That's absolutely right. So so true. So, Dan-
2: so he is in fact selling mistakes. So somebody will say to me, how could you tell somebody you want to sell a mistake? Who would ever want to buy a mistake? Well, somebody who doesn't want to make one.
1: Right. You know? Absolutely. The dynamic that
2: plays into every pitch that somebody has, whether it's me talking to you folks about retaining me or Renee, it's it's a dynamic that's called short-term discomfort versus long-term regret. I may not want to deal with you right now. But what I really don't want to be is into 2025 looking backwards, wishing that I did. So my advice to people that I work with on interviews is if you're interviewing with somebody, particularly a senior person who's the ultimate decision maker, don't talk to them in 2020, talk to them in 2025. What do they, what do they need to have happen? It's not happening right now. What are their projections? What don't they want to happen? And so it's, it really kind of defies conventional wisdom but that's where the edge is
1: mm-hmm. well dan you talked you you touched on so many different topics what one of the things that made me think about something that i always laugh at that when i met you years ago and you said call me you talk about the fan oh that you talk about the fan, and I was talking to somebody this weekend, and they said Dan said to ask about the fan, and I totally cracked up. So, <laughs> tell them about the fan, and then I'll go into some of these others, some okay, of the other well, some So made.
2: people will often say to me, "When?" And and I say to Renee, "When should you call me?" And I said, I, "And I'll tell you this. And I want, you, and you'll never forget it. I try never to tell us at lunch meetings." But you uh you imagine a big, you imagine a big fan packed with wet manure and a guy with a plug by an outlet you want to call me before he puts the plug in the wall <laughs> and, and when you're interviewing with a company uh to the likelihood is that somebody's plugged the fan in already mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it, it doesn't work all the time no but the fact is is that Preparing to compete, uh, and and people have to realize they're really competing. This, this is a major competition, extraordinary competition. Uh, it's a way to approach things have to think about. It. Yeah. So remember remember the
1: fan. <laughs> remember the fan. That, that image was like stuck in my head for – it still is to this day. But every time you bring it up, it just makes me laugh out loud um, when I think about – the fan.
2: You, but you bring up an important point is that if you're talking to somebody in an interview and you're talking to somebody whose reputation is resting on your success, they won't forget that image either. So be my guest. <laughs> Use, <laughs> it it
1: Use, it. <laughs>
2: Use it if it makes sense. Yeah.
1: Totally, totally. And then when you're talking to, so you've been working with a lot of folks helping um, specifically in the interviewing space um, right now. And when they are talking to these leaders about being in 2025 or having this 20,000 foot view, like what are some of the questions that they should be thinking about themselves when, they, when they're going into these meetings and they're going, going into these discussions for themselves about 2025, for their own, um, you talked about dreaming, like the job of your dreams, 2025, 20,000-foot view. What are some of the things that they should be thinking about when they go in to talk to these leaders?
2: The first thing is that this is not goal setting. This is using your subconscious mind to get you to move in a direction you want to go in. See, subconscious mind really moves very well with with uh, with sports performance and so the thing is is you want to get yourself thinking about if I put an image in if I have a, an image in my mind about my 2025 your subconscious mind says oh is that what you want okay let's move in that direction and then we have to make sure that nothing gets in the way. And so what can possibly get in the way? We we don't know. But we look for things that could possibly derail you. That's why it's important to go out there and look at what you do well. Look at the mistakes that you've seen people make that you don't let them make anymore. And and, uh, thinking about, but when you're thinking about your position in a company, you know, I always start out with an organizational chart. Where do you see yourself fitting into this organization? Where do you see yourself fitting in next year, two years from now, three years from now, if you, if you stay there that long? But the point is, is what really is important to you in moving forward? You need to put those things down. And it's also thinking about the person you're, you're interviewing with and who you're going to be reporting to and who ultimately is using you to cover them and cover anything that's going on to help them become successful because you're part of a team. The other thing is, is to understand what your A-game is. I've spoken to athletes. and said, oh, I play team sports. I said, yeah, but team sports have to start out with your, a, your personal A-game. What's your A-game like? What do you really do well? How do you describe that? How do you put that into the framework of what those people want to have happen? It's not happening right now so it's, it's it's planning but there are no two alike everyone is different and so how do you how do you make take advantage of that difference the other thing is is that it's so important to know uh what the mindset is of the people who you're going to be working for and who are going to be hiring you i think that becomes really important and so you might want to you look at a system I have that helps you to do that. You know, what's somebody's agenda? Where, how long has somebody been in a position? How long has the person they report to been in a position? As you look at an organization or Renee have seen it, Renee and I have seen this over the years is that you look at an organization. You have tremendous leadership on top, right under them there's a line, but underneath that it's empty. Those people have left. They've, or they're not engaged. You know, the engagement of all those people becomes important for the success of the person above them.
1: Yeah, Danny, you bring up some really good points, especially about the org chart. Because I know before, before you even start, or, you know, after your first initial kind of phone call, the next step typically is around these org charts and really understanding your landscape. So you know you consistently um, equate it to the, to sports and being on the field and what have you, but really understanding all the players and all everyone in the org charts, where these various leaders sit, what their goals are, what's going on in their heads. You know, you talk about the profiling, all of these different things um, that make when you are walking into an interviewing uh, situation that you have some additional pieces to this puzzle because you're interviewing. And I, I talk to people about this part all the time that they seem to, sometimes people interview and one, to your point, they're not necessarily interviewing the company. They're only letting the company interview them. Um, but two, they, when they don't get the role and it's about fit, that's one of the questions that comes up all the time. Like, what do they mean? What does that mean? And so, would you be able to elaborate and kind of talk to people about that when it, especially when it comes to the org chart, since you brought the org, org chart piece into it?
2: Sure. the, the fit really, uh, the fit really involves understanding the personality and the psychology of the organization. Who's around you? Uh, you know, I have a uh, I have a cybersecurity client I've worked with for three years now. Uh, he never goes into a situation without profiling the people there. How do they react? How do they make him feel? How does he respond? Everybody's different, but it's assessing your team. It's assessing the people who you've got to be working for or with, or who you're going to have to persuade and influence to get the way you want to be, or who need you to be in a place that they don't even know yet. The biggest issue with this is understanding what you do well. It is so Unbelievable how people who are really good at what they do cannot tell you what they do well. And so it, it's a uh, it's a challenge. And so it's going into, uh, and most of the time, it doesn't have to do with your technical ability. It has to do with your ability to interact with other people. Uh, are you involved in succession planning for that company? Is that company looking to you to take over leadership roles? Do you have leadership experience? Uh, where does it, and what can derail your leadership experience? What can almost guarantee your failure? Yeah. To know that before is critical. Right. So you know what you deal. You know, it's like a yellow blinking light. You know, you go down the street. If you drove your car down the street and the lights went from green to red, bang, and that was it. No, but they have yellow blinking lights. So give you some time. These are yellow blinking lights in your life. And this is this is this thought process also plays well with the people you're dealing with, because they're probably not thinking this way.
1: Yeah, it's very seldom unless someone talking to a handful of folks that they're thinking the way you describe thinking about 2025, thinking about that 20,000 foot view, because so many people, especially when it comes to fit in that personality piece, don't fully understand what that means. And, you know, it's 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 tough to try to explain, but I, you know, I, I try to share with them, you know, when it comes to fit, it's the fit of the personality of the company in you, and that leader, in that group, in that team. And if everything is to, to your point, if you walk into this team, you could be technically sound, but are you completely going to be set up for failure because of the 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 personality of the group versus you. Right. Um so to have some really good comments here. BB says spot on Dan. Um <laughs> and um Gina, I believe, says, Oh my God, you're killing me. This is so true. I want my manager to think if he needs me to run a project, birthday party, funeral or bank rob- robbery, I'm the girl. <laughs> like-
2: can, can we, Renee, I have to I have to go and plug this thing in. I don't know what's happened with my computer, but when you talk talk to BB about the bank robbery, let's get her name and address.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Dan's plugging in his computer. Um, But Dan has so many great stories. And I think about so many of them, you know, over the years, I mean, I don't he comes up with, there's just so many stories from so many different clients um, the fan one always cracks me up because it's such a good visual and he's big into visuals. Um, so talking about that, I can't remember the one about the bank robber though. Um, I know he talks about that. I, th- I believe a $300,000 um, mistake that someone made with one of his clients where they told him don't say anything. And the person says something and it costs them a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it's so, so, um, you know, the points that he brings up, it's really your subconscious mind um, and Ra- Ragavandran, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I've been looking at your comment and I definitely want to bring it up to Dan uh, because uh, because the, the points that you make around EQ you know, having an upper hand, I think that is, and and Dan will come in and and bring in his points, but I think that is definitely a space where, you know, you have to be, you have to understand where you are and where you fit in this puzzle. And some people really, really look at just them like, oh, this happened to me uh, versus everything else. Dan, are you good? I'm good. Okay. So we have some really good comments here. Um, Raghavendra wants to know, he says, uh, the power of the subconscious mind, logic that plays an important role. His question is, does EQ have an upper hand in IQ for such cases and rational thinking during the interview process?
2: Well, on my way back.
1: Okay. <laughs> So we'll wait until Dan comes back. But I, I believe it does. I mean, Dan will come in and chime in and, and bring in his point. But after being on the side of interviewing people for such a long time, um, I do believe that, I, I know that, uh, you know, by the time your resume gets to a hiring manager, you are technically, most of the time, technically.
2: We're back to the you.
1: You're good. Okay, I'm going to finish my thought, Dan, and then we're going to go to his point. Um, right. You are technically aligned to the position. Managers don't, hire managers, leaders, CEOs, CIOs, they don't just interview people who are not qualified on paper. So you are technically sound for the role. The question is, are you going to fit in with the team? Are you going to, you know, if they're looking for a certain type of personality, a certain type of, you know, someone that can fit in, are you going to be the one to fit in? So Raghavendran asks, he says, greetings, absolutely in agreement. The power of the subconscious mind, logic that plays an important role. My question is, does EQ have an upper hand in IQ for such cases in rational thinking during the interview process?
2: I think a lot of, great question. I I think a lot of this stuff happens and it's invisible. You really don't see what's going on. Uh, I think some people discover that they have a really great ability to read the politics that are going on in a situation, read private agendas. Certainly people in cybersecurity uh, are constantly trying to read the mentality of the people who are attacking them. And and it's to to prepare for them in that way. But I think in the interview process, it becomes something that you have to talk out. I mean, I know that uh, I have one person I have about had about 15 uh, analyses of people that they had to deal with within the organization on a regular basis. And when they would go to meet with that person, we'd have a conversation about here's what I want to have happen. Here's what I want to say here's the outcome that I want. I want to, here's what I want the end of this meeting to look like. And then uh, realizing that they're really good at what they did, but working together, we were able to come in with some scenarios that really asked questions to the people I were interviewing with that were important. You know, uh, what does somebody need to have happen? You, until, you know, when you sit, when you, if you say to somebody let, let me give you a magic wand and take it out take and take wave it and be out in 2025 looking backwards watch their eyes and see what happens because you're currently giving the person the permission to dream which they probably haven't done uh, in a long time and, and so it it's it's once it, you know the, the question you asked is great but I think it has to apply individually to each person that you're going to talk to and the outcome that you want. I mean, I have people who will embed commands in language uh, that, that so that people will think about them when they leave. I mean, it's, it's important to do that. I mean, you, 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 when you start to listen to the way you talk to yourself, start to overhear the conversations you have with yourself. You'll learn an awful lot about how you operate, but also how other people operate, because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. You know. So it's, it's um, how do you prepare to compete? It, it's different with every person. What outcome do they want? What outcome do you want? Uh, can you start a meeting? Can you plan for a meeting by thinking about, it? the meeting's over, we walk out, here's what I want to have happen.
1: Dan, you know what I like that you bring up, especially in interviewing, is that it is, it, you are competing. Like it is a competition. There's multiple people for a job, usually, usually one role. Um, And it, it truly is a competition outside of just being competing as a whole in cybersecurity, the field Ah. in in and of itself is one big competition, but specifically in the interviewing space that this is really preparation to compete.
2: Right. You know, I've had people say to me, I I don't like, you know, we have to keep one thing in mind. I mean, I, I have been working with professional and student athletes for years and years and years. And uh, I see the preparation to compete is important, but you have to know you're competing. You know, Renee and I, uh, I met Renee at a graduate program, and somebody said to me, well, we don't like competition. We don't like to compete with people. We like everybody. Well, don't get into cybersecurity if you don't like to compete. Because you're competing with attackers all the time. And the fact is, is that it, it's important to know you're in a competition. But what tools do you bring into it to give you a competitive edge? And how do you, uh, how do you take advantage of that? It, it becomes interesting when we look at this, uh, based on what each individual person who's on this program want to have happen for themselves and think about what are the people want to have happen for themselves who are interviewing me? -hmm. Who do they have to report to? Is this going to cost them money if they make a mistake? Is this going to cost them emotion? tremendous amount of emotional pressure on people today. And aside from everything else that's going on, when they realize that they're responsible to protect the company or protect the company's assets, or data, whatever it is. And and the fact is is that people are always after. You know, I I worked with hockey goaltenders for a long time, and I worked with one of the top hockey goaltenders uh, at about 15, 20 years ago. And a guy said to me, he said, I always have a target on my back. I said, you do, because everybody's after you. Everybody wants to knock you off that position to get your position. So understanding that that's these are the dynamics in which you're playing. It's a highly competitive environment, and um, it's um, it. it, But again, it's hard to make a comment because it's different with every single individual. Yeah, every company you're dealing with. So that's why that's why the organizational chart of the company you're going into is not going to have the same impact that our discussion that it's going to have with somebody else. Because the fact is, is that many of the people who are going in for an interview are not going to ask the questions you're going to ask. Right. And I will tell you, the interviewer is not prepared to be asked some long-range focused questions because they usually don't hear them.
1: Yeah, it's so true. I've asked those questions and people's eyes glaze over. They're like, huh? You know.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, that's but you see what happens is is that that's where and this is funny because you, you know, we, we've Renee and I have been doing this for a long time in a different set of different scenarios. But the fact is when you ask somebody a question that stops the internal narrative that they have going on in their head that starts to crank the minute you open your mouth, uh they stop. It stops them. I mean, I, I tell a story. I mean, I was at a cocktail party a couple of years ago. And a woman who had just sold a business said, what do you do? I said, I sold mistakes. She said, what a crazy thing to say. Four times during that party, she came back to me. She says, what are you talking about? How could you say that to people? Who would ever want to buy a mistake? All the usual questions. And at the end, she says, you know, I don't think this works. I said, well, I disagree with you. I said, my comment to you, you have come back to me four times at this party to ask me about my business. (laughs) And, you know... And, and you, can, you can embed commands in language. We do this based on the situations you run into. But I tell the story I told it last time. You know, I had a, a guy say to me, I'm thinking of retaining you to work my accounting firm, but I'm going on vacation. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going on a cruise to Bermuda. I said, well, we have a problem. He said, what's the problem? I said, every time you see an umbrella drink, you're going to think of me. He said to me when he came back, he says, you came on my vacation with me. (laughs) I sat down at a bar and I didn't see an umbrella drink. I was looking around for the umbrellas. (laughs) So, you know, but this, this is all strategy that everybody here can use, but only if you plan it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this I think this is Gina again she said saying I researched the interview in a way where they run to leadership about me and say look who we found so <laughs> the way she does I, I believe this is Gina's comment I'm not sure because yeah,
2: but way. you know that that's true but, but you know it, it finding when Reg, when Re, the person who's interviewing Regina realizes that she has somebody to make her look really really good. That's it. So it's how do you do that? But the other responsibility is, is that it's hard to have somebody sell you up within a company. How can they, how can they pitch you within a company? So you have to give them enough information uh, to, uh, to be able to talk to somebody else about you or get yourself in a position where you're talking to the main decision maker. Because that's that's the biggest issue. Is yeah. making sure that your your message has gotten transferred up, and so is the person you're sitting in front of. You feel that they're capable to describe who you are to somebody else. The biggest issue comes back, Renee, is is that people I often find don't know what they do well, and it's hard to hard to put that across. Otherwise, you know, some people don't like to talk about themselves.
1: The unconscious competence.
2: Yeah. And the fact is, is, well, that's that's I mean, I talked about a guy with Ewan Packard who built a huge organization in New Zealand. And I said to him, you know, how did you do this? He says, oh, I was just being myself. I said, that's no good. I said, because if I come to you, it's up to you to, to teach me to be like you so that you can move up and move into someplace else. But the amount of people who don't know what they do well is astounding.
1: It's true. It's true, Dan. So NamD, my buddy, says, I like the umbrella strategy. How do we plan our message?
2: Oh, the umbrella strategy. You know, you gave me that, that. I didn't talk about an umbrella strategy. I was talking about embedded commands. But the umbrella strategy is interesting. If you take your name and you put it on top of a an umbrella, and that's the umbrella over your company. You are the CEO of your own company, and under that can be silos, and the silos can be multifaceted, but the fact is is that everything comes in under your brand. It's seeing yourself as the CEO of your own company, Uh, and that's where the umbrella strategy. The embedded commands are very simple. I wrote a book called Click, uh, The Competitive Edge, but I'll use it to... Contact me. I could say to you, uh, call me on the phone. And you, depending on how you were treated as a person, as a kid, you might say, Who's this guy to be telling me to call him? But if I said to him, You may, and I pause, say, Want to give me a call. What happens is, is an embedded command in that. And the embedded, I'm giving away my secrets. The embedded <laughs> command is, Want to call me. So I can say you may, you'll say to yourself, I may, I may not, but want to call me is the issue. Now, what gets in the way of calling? I have no idea. Uh, but it, but again, I, I encourage you to call myself. You'll get the number from Renee. It's on my website, danschaferphd.com. But the funniest thing is, is that, you know, you have to really think about this stuff. But can you use this? I will tell you, my 2025 program, you could use this immediately with every people you're dealing with. Because if, you, if you're if you managing a team of people, and we're putting together, I, I told Renee, uh, in the beginning of July, I'm launching a program called 888. It's eight keys to a competitive edge for eight weeks straight on Monday mornings from 7 to 8. It's going to cover eight keys to a competitive edge. It's all listed on my website. There are group discounts, everything. Just go on my website and look at it. It's right there. 888 is there. But the fact is is that it becomes very important to give you people the tools that they need that are different than everybody else. Yeah. So managing a team, uh, we found there was a you know, tremendous amount of people who have challenges with remote management. We dealt with that 20 years ago with HP giving people a strategy to move from a management culture to a coaching culture. Maybe we should put that in for next week. That's what we'll talk about. Yeah, sure. You can shoot in questions to Renee, me that you want to talk about, or if something comes up and you say, you know, I'm having this thing going on now. What do I do? This is not, I want to make sure that people understand that this is not therapy. When somebody works with me, this is, Street smart strategies for competitive edge. How do you <laughs> win really quickly? Uh, but it's definitely doing stuff differently and thinking differently and then helping the people who you're responsible for to think differently.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Dan, we're at the 45-minute mark. So I want to make sure that people have you, all of your information. So danshaferphd.com is already in the um it's always in the chat. It's always at the top of the uh, in the little blurb that describes this. Dan's number, if anybody wants it, feel free to reach out to me. I will send it to um, direct message to you, but it's also on his website. <laughs> Dan is a huge texter, so feel free to text him. If you see his number there, you can text him and he'll set up a time to talk to you.
2: Please, uh, please put your name in when you text <laughs> me because i I have a whole list of texts I don't know who they are.
1: So, put your name let, them know that, let them know you either saw them on LinkedIn Live or or uh, YouTube Live, uh with with us, the Breaking Into Cybersecurity Leadership Series or the special edition, because this is really Mondays with Dan. This is Dan's show at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Dan show. The Dan show. So, So, Dan, next week we'll be talking about, you know, whatever comes up this week as well as um, I forget what topic you just shared that we we would uh, probably talk about about
2: about, uh, moving from a management culture to a coaching culture. culture.
1: Yep. Yeah. So for sure. Definitely. That is a good topic. And if anyone has any questions or wants us to bring up anything, let us know. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and I'll be happy to raise any questions that you may have. So, Dan, thank you again. I think we're at week eleven or so doing this. This
2: is, this, is, this is the one. This could be a, a series.
1: It is a series. Sundays <laughs> 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 with Dr. Dan. We go. So we will see everyone next week. Thank you, Dan.
2: Okay. Thanks, all right. Okay. Bye, bye. Bye, everybody.